Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. It's Lisbeth, and this is Minisode number one of the book to movie podcast series, a special for you because I continue to get asked questions from relatives and friends and lots of writers as to what is the process, at least what had I learned about the process in my own little life of having my book, a memoir, become a movie. And so I've kept hearing the questions and I thought, you know, it's worth sharing this process. It was so much fun, some of it, and so stressful, some of it. And I made some blunders along the way that are worth learning from. And I almost made more and thankfully was stopped. Now, because I am just one person and my process would be different than other people's, I want to let you know that I also went beyond my own experience. I reached out and spoke with a producer a scriptwriter, another author who became, who got trained to become a screenplay writer and in fact has her first short story becoming a movie soon, being filmed in Hollywood. So a number of different resources. And in show notes, I will link to some of the extra resources because I wanted this to be valuable for you. So it'll be short three episodes. I'm first going to talk a little bit about my story, how my memoir became then a TV movie that is now available on Lifetime, Amazon Prime, and some other places where you do streaming. And some within that context, I want to answer some of the questions authors asked me. The next episode, I'll go a little bit more into different ways that authors can stop waiting to get their books discovered and go about greenlighting their own process to get their book becoming a movie. There's no guarantee, of course, for any of us that it'll actually happen, but there are a number of different ways that authors have successfully gotten their books to become movies, whether those are novels or nonfiction. After that, we'll talk about some of the lessons that authors can learn from my mistakes and from the mistakes of others so that if you're writing and you know for sure that you're going to be interested in having your writing adapted to the big screen, maybe a series or a television movie, what are some of the things that you can look at that would help you increase your chances of success? And again, I'm just doing this because frankly, I think we learn from each other's journeys and It's enjoyable to share our mistakes and mishaps along the way. And I think that this is a process I just don't want to squander. When I keep hearing the same questions over and over, I'm like, oh, I really should do something that uh, answers some of the questions as best I can and at least starts a dialogue, right? So anyway, so glad you're here. And one of the questions I was asked at a couple of different times are, 
What's a step-by-step process to go from author with a book to making contact with movie people? There must be many paths. Do you know any of them besides the path that you took? Love that question. And that's why this episode will talk about my path and answer some of the later questions. And the next couple of episodes, we're going to go over different routes. How much say-so does an author have to get input on the screenplay, or do you just need to let it go if your book has been optioned to become a television movie? And what is the role that the author has once someone else is writing a screenplay? Do you get to advise on set, or is it out of your hands at this point? Thank you so much, my friend. Carolyn, big shout out to you for for asking those really great questions that have been echoed by other people. So first, let me just talk for a little bit. For those of you who are brand new to the podcast, I am Elizabeth Meredith. I'm an author, speaker, online teacher. And my first full-length book was adapted to become a television movie and, in fact, premiered in March of 2022. And so... My process was I had written what is often called a misery memoir, funnily enough. Actually, it's not that funny. But uh, I wrote a memoir on my own experiences of having my daughters kidnapped by their father. And I published that in late of 2016. One of the things that I didn't do when I was signing my indie book publishing contract uh, with a small publisher was really lined through some of the intellectual property rights. And I'm telling you this because some of you are thinking about writing books and some of you already have published. Even if you've published with, let's say, as an example, Amazon exclusively, you have to an extent signed a contract. So we need to be intentional about those contracts and what rights we're giving away. So when I signed my own book contract, I went ahead and signed it without omitting the other intellectual property rights like movie rights. So that's something to learn from. Uh, That is neither a good or a bad thing, but it did cost me some money and yet it gave me some extra resources too. So we'll talk about that wrote the memoir, and it was one of those stories that I've heard from producers and screenwriters that people like to have drama. You know, when we turn on the TV, when we listen even to podcasts, we typically like to hear some interesting characters maybe, or something that is just like grabs our attention right away. Having one's children kidnapped can be that very kind of scenario that is very dramatic. And so I wrote my memoir and just before I published the memoir, I didn't have a literary agent. It was a small publisher. And I heard something that was echoed at writers conferences that I attended. So it was very good information, but it was the information that, you know, Hey, books don't sell as much as they used to. So we know this, that uh, the average book these days, whether it's traditionally published or whether it is independently published, sells usually less than a thousand copies within the book's lifetime. 1,000 copies. 
could be it. And for some people, it's not even close to 100 copies because there's more than a million books published every year. You'll be fortunate to sell up to 500 copies, especially when you've written a memoir and you're not a famous person. So don't keep your expect get your expectations too high and don't feel bad if in fact you sell fewer copies than maybe you would originally thought. Again, this was very sage advice and really, really as an author, so disappointing. It kind of broke my heart into shreds because I'd worked so hard on my memoir for two solid decades on and off. And there wasn't many off periods. I wrote and then I tried to get my memoir published and had to take classes and had critique groups and all the things. Now I had this book I was finally proud of and was finding out that it was going to be hard to market because I'm not a famous person. I tell you all of this because it's important to realize that the odds are stacked against us as authors, period, much less to get our books to become a movie. So what I decided to do was really double down on my efforts and create a nice book launch as best I could, try to get book buzz. I hired a PR firm that helped for six months and really never gave up the idea that this was a story that I believed in and that if people ask me to do events back in the day, not so much now, but uh, whenever people ask me to do events, I would say yes, even though I was working full time, even though, you know, it was dark and cold in Alaska a lot of the time when I was getting off work and then driving some not very close location to do either a book group or talk to a civic group, give an interview somewhere, do a podcast interview. It was important because that's how you generate book buzz. And two things that weren't mistakes were I did, in fact, get real intentional about how I showed up at events. And I often would remind people it would really help me. I'm doing this event for free. It would really assist me if you gave an authentic online customer book review uh, if, if I do this event, if I could get at least one or two from your uh, book group, that would be super helpful to me. What does that do for an author? Doesn't guarantee anything. It doesn't directly give sales. But what that did was, A, it helped the people who attended the event or book group know that they could help me somehow. And I didn't ask them for a five-star review. That would be gross but I asked them for an authentic review. Whenever someone gives a book an online review, it adds sort of keywords and it increases the book's searchability. It draws some book buzz to the book. It also gives a green light to online retailers that, hey, they could eventually spend their own resources because this book was actually driving people to their search engines. This is important. This will be an important part of the story later. So I asked for online customer book reviews, and I made certain that whenever I did an event, I published, publicized it on social media channels, and I added links whenever possible to my author website. 
I hope that every author who's hoping to get a book to movie deal has a good author website and that there is a place where they can add links to the things that they are doing, whether it's a podcast interview, an event, a blog post, whatever it is that you honor your event and that you denote it in a news and events page. I bring this up because it took the first year, you know, I did some events, worked super hard and saw some success. I did. And I was very thankful. And and as time went on, I got better at learning the book marketing game and kept moving forward with it. And I found out that libraries were great places to do events and that I could write a grant and I could travel out of state and stay really cheaply with the money that I got with the grant and do some book events uh, at bookstores, at libraries, at universities. But I kept up those efforts. Modern Wisdom for Authors says, hey, if you have a book and you do your due diligence, give it about 90 days to 180 days, and then write your next book and put that one kind of on the shelf. I did not follow that modern wisdom because I knew this was the story of my heart and that it mattered. I think that's something that's important for authors to have in their that fire in their belly to know this is the right book. It's been well reviewed. It's been by other customers. It's been edited repeatedly. It's not just been looked over by a friend or a beta reader group, but it really has been worked over and over and over again. And then one more time, and maybe one more last time, and then another proofread. So if you've got all that and you believe in your book, then by all means, learn to quickly market your book while writing that next book. But don't give up on the original one if this is something you want to become a movie. The reason I told you about the book review and the events and generating my own book buzz, which I I frankly was much better at than the people I'd hired because it's my book. It's my job as an author to market my book, no matter if I've hired someone to help or not. It's ultimately going to be my job for the lifetime of the book. One day, two years after my book was published. Now, mind you, I had done things like purchase Facebook ads at various times. I'd done newsletter stacking. I'd asked people occasionally, I didn't badger them, but I would ask them for online customer book reviews or give little subtle reminders once in a while, like on my social media channels, and then thank readers for doing it uh, in general ones, not individually. One day, two long years after my memoir was published, I got an email and I wasn't expecting it. And I didn't, I initially thought, oh, this must be a spammer. You know, this must be somebody who's kind of just testing the waters to see if I'm real gullible. And it was from a woman who was interning at a movie production company, she said. And uh, she wanted to know if my book rights had been optioned. I initially had a lot of misgivings about this person and the agency until I looked it up with a friend of mine and realized, oh, this is actually a legitimate company. 
It's a production company located in Canada. And she said, if it hasn't been optioned, I really enjoyed your book. And I'd like to refer it up the chain here at the production company if I have your permission. So eventually when I, uh, when I kind of recalibrated and thought about it, I said, yes, absolutely. And I contacted my book publishers just to let them know that a little interest had been generated. When someone options your book's rights, what they are doing is they are rent, but they're basically renting your story for a certain period of time. And so to be able to do that, they usually put, they don't have to, but they usually put some money toward it. And what it does is it says, hey, we have these rights. No one else can be optioning your book for this certain period of time. We have this while we're figuring out if we can and want to make this book into a movie or into a mini series or into a pilot, into a feature film. So it's a, it's a rental that's for a discrete period of time. And then often there is an, a right of re, first right of refusal to re-option it at the end of that time period. For many of us authors, me included, boy, all I needed was something to help me stop the loss. You know, I think for those of you who don't write books, you might not understand that most of us authors don't even break even financially with the books that we're writing. And I'm not talking about people who are simply self-published. I mean, even publishing companies, when they go ahead and give an author a monetary advance, it's pretty rare that the author earns up that advance. Often books do not sell enough to make it worth the publisher's while, and it ends up being a loss. It's harder and harder to turn a profit. So when an author such as myself has an option to make a few dollars or really a decent amount of dollars to option their book for a certain period of time, that's huge. It's like, oh my goodness, money? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So for me, I contacted my publisher. We had a teleconference and then we met with the production company. This was many, many months after that original email, because all along there were just an occasional email back and forth. But eventually we did teleconference many, many months later and sign a movie option right. It was for me financially not prudent to have forgotten to keep my intellectual property rights because I ended up needing to share 50% of my uh, option rights as an example with the publisher. And yet, because they already were connected to a pretty amazing film agent, and I would encourage anybody who's thinking about getting their book to movie right, definitely don't go it alone. You need, even if you've self-published, you need to consult with a lawyer who specializes in this sort of book to movie option because the publisher already had somebody in place we were were able to share this person and equally pay her. She was amazing. And so she helped keep me in line and save me from myself in a lot of ways. So the things that she taught me were invaluable. And I adored the Canadian film company, Cineflix, that optioned my book to movie. And I trust them. 
But for people who are new to the business, such as myself, it's so smart to have someone in your corner telling you how not to ruin the whole project. What I wanted to do when I I got asked the question, you know, what kind of rights do you have as an author once you've optioned your movie? How much authority do you have? Well, the film agent was the first to let me know, and she was very helpful and she was discreet. She didn't say this in front of everyone, but she said, you know, you can really torpedo a a, a book option by insisting that you have all kinds of rights to write the screenplay or to write the script, to decide who the actors are, to give a whole lot of input. That's a perfect way to kill the project. They'll get sick of you right quick. If you've already been trained as a script writer, then you're right within, you know, it's your bailiwick. It's up to you then to consult with the right people. We'll talk about that later to get your script into the right hands. You're still going to need some extra help besides just you and your script, even if it's well-written for the most part, unless you do a contest or something different. But for most of us, this is not just true of my own process. I went and looked at, for example, a LitHub article I'll link to in show notes or in resources. Several different people in the movie industry and writing industry had the same opinion, which is, hey, we do not want authors to come in and tell us how to do a job they know nothing of. Writing a screenplay is a complete completely different skill set than writing a novel or writing a memoir or writing another nonfiction book. And so for the most part, what happens after you option your book to movie is that you have in a sense said, I trust you and I'm renting out my story. And, And really in a sense, when I do that, it's your story, yours to do with what you will. And I look, love to be consulted about this process. At least that's what I said. And they were kind enough to respect and honor that. But on the other hand, what I won't be doing is trying to be the shot caller. I'm not going to be making demands. I'm not going to be obnoxious. I'm not going to be an armchair director. (laughs) There are some exceptions. If you are Cheryl Strayed, an amazing memoirist, and you have amazing credentials, and you end up in a terrific, exceptional book-to-movie deal, then perhaps you have much more say-so than the average author. But if you're pretty new like me, you're going to learn pretty quickly that you've optioned your book-to-movie, you've given someone else your trust, and you do trust them to do their job and to do it well. And you may ask them to consult with you or that you may make some suggestions if you're solicited for input. But for the most part, you've signed on the dotted line and now it's time for them to do what they're about to do. So let me look at the last part of that question and we will end this first mini-sode And remember, the next time we're going to talk about different ways that you can get your book into becoming a movie, 
that are happening today. Of course, a lot of everyone wants a Netflix deal. This seems to be the most popular thing, but there are other ways besides just Netflix or the big screen. Um, for me personally, do you get to advise on set? If it was not the time of a pandemic when there was filming, you know, there was filming overseas in Greece, there was filming for my book to movie in Canada. I may have been allowed, very likely would have been on the set for a day or so, but that wasn't to advise anyone unless they asked specific input. It would mostly be to watch the joyous magic happen. Um, There are amazing directors. There are amazing producers, screenplay writers, script writers, all of the things, fabulous trained actors. And what I just read today when I was telling you about Lit Hub and what I read there was the job of the script writer really is to catch the and and for the actors as well they want to get the essence of your story whatever story you have written they want to catch capture the heart of it but they don't want to do your exact iteration of it they want to have their own ability to make their adaptation it's their art and they have every right to take that original story and then move forward with it as they see fit And so I hope that answers at least part of the questions we have so far. I can't wait to see you next week. And let's continue the book to movie question. There are no shortage of mistakes we authors can make, right? Isn't it a lot harder than when you originally said to yourself, I want to be a writer one day. Once you get your book published, now what? There are so many different things that we can try and fail at. And I think when we gather together to talk about them, it's less isolating, less depressing. Frankly, the whole journey just gets to be a lot more joyous. So that said, I have a masterclass coming up and you're invited. Three mistakes new authors make and the mindset shifts to fix them. I have heard over and over from attendees in past sessions, that they feel more confident. They feel more optimistic about their writer's journey. They feel more focused about what to be thinking about and playing the long game with their book marketing. Three mistakes new authors make is what you need to get through some of your feelings of being stuck and anxious. So don't hesitate to join me in the masterclass. It won't cost you a thing. Look at show notes for the link, the specific invites. And if you are listening to this later than, let's say, May of 2022, there may be an instant replay. So go ahead and check show notes and see if that videotape is, or rather if that recording is still available to you. Join me and let's take some of the angst out of the writers and book marketing process. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.